Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast. This is your post-game report. I am John Schofield. Joining me is co-host Ward Carroll and our special guest, Bill Wagner from the Capital Gazette newspaper. And as always, our producer and consigliere is Chris Cervello. So here we are. We're at the post-mortem, so to speak, of a 28 to 20 loss to Houston. Um, as you tracked us on Twitter, um, you know, I was very, very surprised as I'm sure uh, the rest of the group here was. I'm going to kick it to Ward here in a second to talk about what he saw. But I was very, very surprised at how hard they played and how well they did. Um, but not that we're a bunch of Nostradamuses here. We talked a little bit about what they needed to do in the second half uh, when Chris and Chris Hoffman and I um, did the halftime Instagram live, what, what were the things that we need to do? It was defense. It was get first downs. It was, you know, really capitalize on uh, the big wide receivers and the throwing game. And unfortunately none of that took place really couldn't get drives going in the second half. And the result was a 28 to 20 loss, a really, really tough loss, a loss that could have been a win not a game that we thought was going to be that close, but I was really heartened by how close it was. So before uh, we get too much deeper into it, Ward, I'm going to kick it over to you. Um, number one, welcome back from Hook, and I hope all is well. Um, but what did you, what did you see, and and how did how did this end up as a 28 to 20 loss? So when Wags interviewed Chet Gladchuk, Chet, his overall theme was Navy football should expect to win whether they do or not is kind of beside the point, but they should conduct themselves as if they expect to win. And for the first half, certainly they look like a team that expected to win. Execution was crisp. The triple option was being run in the way where it sort of flows into the, the secondary decisions were being made. They were being Assisted by Houston a couple of times with some missteps, no doubt. But the team looked like the traditional Miamontololo football teams. And then in the second half, it sort of fell back on what we've seen last season and in this season in the first two games. So, as you said, if somebody had come up to us at the beginning of the game and said the outcome is going to be 28 to 20 Houston, we would have said, Oh, I guess we did pretty good. And none of us expected it would be that close, but I think we did have a chance to win this one. And if you look at the stats in the first half versus the second half, it is the tale of two games. So overall, I think a lot of takeaways that we can build on. I hope the team got some, confidence out of this that that they they can execute they can be a winning team 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's just too bad we couldn't keep going in the second half like we did in the first half. Last year, doing uh, the chain gang for Houston at Navy, and remember last year because of COVID, the chain gang was all on the visiting sideline. I got to see Dana Hogerson up close and personal, and uh, he's he's a flamer. And so I tweeted that, I, you know, having experienced – Coach Holgerson at close range, I knew he was going to lay into the team at halftime. I imagine he did. And whatever he said, I, I'm sort of imagining is part of what got them fast directed coming out of the, the, the tunnel and into the second half. But, uh, you know, it's just a little bit disappointing that we couldn't maintain that great momentum we had in the first half. He was pissed. And, and that is without question. And I'm, I'm going to kick it to you, Wags. Was this us catching a really sloppy Houston team? Because they were sloppy, and Holgerson was pissed for most of the game, and for good reason. Clayton Toon was making very, very questionable decisions. They were not playing well, even in the second half, um, you know, outscoring us 21-3 in the second half. I thought there were several times where they could have really poured it on, and they just didn't. So what was your assessment? Was this us getting a Houston team that was off its game and that's why it was only 28 to 20? Or did we actually turn the corner and make some progress? Well, I think you need to give Navy credit. I think Navy made Houston not look so good on offense in particular. And obviously Navy did some things to shred the, Na the Houston defense. First of all, there's no doubt that Hol Holgerson went ballistic in the locker room at halftime because his quarterback with no timeouts, decided to take off and scramble and let the clock run out. It was like what happened to Navy against Marshall. So that was a terrible decision, and he was going absolutely crazy afterwards. He couldn't believe that Clayton did that. He was on the field going nuts, and then he stomped down the sidelines. But, you know, let's – I was impressed with Navy. I mean, here's the deal. Things were in disarray from the outside – it looked like things were in disarray and, you know, the firing and rehiring of Ivan Jasper in the wake of two terrible losses, a blowout to Marshall and just a heartbreaking, terrible loss to service Academy rival air force. This all could have gone South. And I got to give starting with head coach, Ken Niamatololo, but all of the coaches credit for leadership, bringing the team together, galvanizing the team, us against them. And they obviously did good work during the bye week because they came ready to play. And that opening possession was just beautiful. Three plays, touchdown, with Carlino Sacy ripping off a 25-yard run on a nice pitch play, and then Xavier Arline making the right read and, do, and taking a keeper 40 yards for a touchdown. And it was like, wow, who is this team? And then the defensive game plan was just outstanding. Brian Newberry came in with the intention of making Houston work its way down the field in short increments. And Clayton Toon didn't want to do that. He wants to go for the home run all the time. And what Navy did is they played three safeties in the back. They had Kevin Brennan, Taylor Robinson, and then they dropped normal outside linebacker uh, uh, John Marshall back as a safety. So it was like a cordon back there. And they basically were saying, you're not throwing it over our head. You're going to th throw underneath. We're going to rally the ball, tackle you, and you're going to have to work your way down the field. And they could. They made mistakes. And they showed a little bit of arrogance by getting in the red zone 
and not wanting to settle for a field goal when they should have taken a field goal early and they you know had a turnover on downs and then later they did settle for a field goal and missed the field goal so navy defense was outstanding and once again it was the offense and special teams that let navy down the punt return for a touchdown is just egregious I mean, that guy is a speedster. He had a return for touchdown in the previous game against Grambling. His name's Marcus Jones, but there is no way in the world that anyone should have that much running room. He caught the punt and went to the right side. There was no one, no one. I mean, obviously Navy didn't run their lanes properly because there was no one on that side of the field. And he just waltzed 73 yards for a touchdown. And then the offense led up Navy down by, quarterback fumble exchange on the very first play after Houston had scored and they're at their own 25 yard line and very first play from scrimmage of that possession fumble of on a bad quarterback center exchange. And it's like handing them a touchdown. So once again, then there was a poor punt. Uh, There was a 34 yard punt. That was a line drive. It was a very low punt. So it made it 34 yards. Doesn't sound too bad, but when it's that low of a punt, a line driver, they went to Marcus Jones really fast and he was able to return at eight yards and that enabled Houston to start at the Navy 43 yard line. So short fields, we've seen this all season, the Navy defense constantly being put on short fields and, you know, take away the uh, punt return for touchdown, take away that they only had to go 26 yards for a touchdown and 43 yards for a touchdown and the Navy defense practically pitches a shutout in this one. And then the other thing, John, the, the offense did look good. I liked, you know, the fullbacks got involved. Isaac Ruas and James Harris combined for over 100 yards. That was a very positive step because we all know the fullbacks have to be a big part of this offense, and they were the engine in this game. But what's got to stop is the empty possessions. You, you aren't going to score on every possession, but you cannot come out and have three and outs. You need to pick up a few first downs, punt. Football is a game of field position. And when you go out there and have three and out possessions, it just kills you in the field possession game. And that's what's been happening way too often with Navy and which we never saw before is completely empty possessions. Navy might not score on every possession, but damn, they were going to drive the ball and hold the ball, possess the ball and win the field possession game. And that's just not happening in this current time. Yeah. So Wags, let let me jump on with what you said there. So the way I phrased it in a tweet, the way I phrased it in a tweet was a misfire, right? You call it an empty possession. What what I'm seeing is one of three plays is just an absolute flop, right? I mean, it's just dead at the snap and that just kills whatever momentum they've had during that possession. So if they can eliminate the one, it's sort of like, you know, the way that some of us play golf. You know, if we could just eliminate the, the massive hook, we'd probably play bogey golf, you know. And, and, and so it's just that, that one play where it is just terrible execution in, in the middle of a number of good executions that just seems to be killing them. So if they can just get X plus one more disciplined, I think that, that they'll do – exponentially better you may yeah, be good gents uh, well it, it, let me let me jump in really quick wags i mean to your point to both your points 
I got on Instagram Live at halftime and said my key was possession in the second half. Possession. Very first drive of the second half. Three, three plays, negative two yards, punt. Second possession of the second half. Three plays, two yards, punt. Third possession of the second half. One play, no yards, fumble, and you turn it over like Wag said. So, you know, it, it, Ward said it. It was a tale of two halves. And the second half looked like what we saw in the first two games. So, for me, I don't... I don't chalk that up to Dana Holderson walking in and going full like Sir Alex Ferguson from Manchester United and then giving them the the uh, yeah, the the blow dryer treatment and taking the paint off the walls because he was so pissed. I I I don't chalk it up to us being poorly coached and us not making adjustments. That's just execution, and that sucks, and that really hurt the game, and that's where we lost those first three possessions of the second half. Wags. But but oh but hold it, John. So but due to what? Execution due to what? Is this a is this a a focus issue? Is this an endurance issue? What you, you know, how do we how do we have a tail to hot halves like that? To what do we uh ascribe that? Yeah, I, I, and that's a great point, Warden. And, and I don't I don't look at it as um coaching i certainly don't look at it in terms of uh you know athletic ability i think i think that naval academy football players are under more duress and have more acute athletic training than probably a lot of teams out there and a lot of teams with like million dollar multi-million dollar weight rooms and access to training facilities i just think that because of the nature of our service that these guys are, are just in better shape i think the two things that i would attest it to are Number one, um, that it was a little bit of Houston making adjustments and their defense came out swarming and wanted to kick us in the face because they were pissed about how the first half went. And then the second part, I really just believe, and this is going to be unfair and I apologize in advance, but it, it's really on Xavier Arline. Uh, he is the quarterback. He is the leader. He knows that the beginning of the second half is huge. He's got to make the right reads. He's been given the playbook by IJ and, and Coach Niamat. It is on the quarterback. And I'm sorry, that's, that's the, that is the burden of leadership that we all learn in the military, right? Like, if you don't like the fact that it's on you, then you join the wrong organization, bro. So, like, that's where I, that's where I really view it, is that the quarterback is on the hook to execute that shit, and he didn't. Wags? Well, I'll address a number of points. First of all, Ward is correct. It's the one or two bad plays per possession that are ruining possessions because when the triple option is working, it's three yards here, four yards there. And if you go and look at a couple of the drives, that's exactly what Navy did. Work their way down the field with positive play after positive play. You cannot have negative plays and get behind the sticks. So a perfect example, in the first half on, I want to say it's Navy's second possession, uh, after the great opening drive, uh, Navy comes out. They gain a first down on the first series. But then on the very first play of the next series, it's a false start. And you just can't have that stuff. That is a self-inflicted wound that kills you. And, you know, I don't know. So we'd have to go and look at the film to find out what happened on the first two possessions when they went three and out and lost yardage in both instances. But 
I would venture to say that there was probably a wrong read by Xavier, but there were also probably missed blocks by offensive linemen and others who didn't execute their blocking assignments. And that's kind of what Coach Nehemiah talked about after the game is self-inflicted wounds. It's hard enough to block Houston. I don't know if you all saw the size of Houston's defensive line. Those guys were massive. So it's hard enough to try to block that front seven when you do everything right. But you certainly aren't going to have success when you either have a misread and the ball goes to the wrong place or you have missed blocks and therefore the ball carrier can't get the yardage he should have because somebody wasn't blocked or accounted for. But there is no doubt that the game was lost on the first three possessions of the second half. Navy's momentum went completely out the window, um, and that's where the game was lost. The three empty possessions, as I called them, one of which was uh, just terrible with a fumble deep in your own territory, that's where the game was lost. So I I think, Wags, what I hear with what you just said is the word I would say is resilient, not resilient, right? So other teams can bounce back from an illegal procedure play or from a false start. Navy doesn't have the capacity to do that right now. We got to kind of be zero defect. And you can see it's palpable the way the air comes out of the balloon when we have a penalty. It's almost like the shoulders start slumping and they're just like, yeah, you know, this, this is going to be a terrible possession this time. And you saw that in the second half, once Houston came out and scored in rapid succession, it's just kind of, I know we had a field goal and we kept it within a single score, but just sort of attitudinally, it was sort of like, yeah, uh, we knew we weren't going to win this one. You know, it, it, it's just, they cannot have these. And this is what you said, coach said in the, you know, the after game press conferences, you know, we can't have these self-inflicted wounds. We, we don't have the depth to have self-inflicted wounds like that. So it comes back to discipline and, and being zero defect. Well, it's also because of the way the Navy offense is designed. Navy does not have a downfield passing game. Navy's passing game is predicated on play action, which it works when you're running the fullback up the middle and gaining four yards, five yards, and then all of a sudden you fake it to the fullback and you throw downfield, Michael Cooper's wide open. But Navy doesn't have the ability to overcome second and 15 by just going to the air and throwing a 20-yard pass. Like, for instance, Houston had back-to-back penalties. They had a false start and a holding. 15 yards, set them back to the 40. They were facing second and 20. And Clayton Toon just goes downfield and throws a 19-yard pass. That's just not in Navy's arsenal, and that's why you can't afford the negative play. So off the top of your head, what was Keenan Reynolds' era yards per offensive play? Not, not yards per his carry, but yards per offensive play. Probably, I'm going to guess it was four or five. Oh, yeah. I was going to what? say five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what – And but, but and on the thing with Keenan Reynolds, though, is that when Navy did need to pass, if they ever got themselves in a situation where a penalty or a negative yardage play had set them behind the chains, Keenan Reynolds could throw a 15, 20-yard pass on a dime down the middle or on the out in the flat. So, it, it Keen, that, that not a good example because Keenan Reynolds is one of the few – Navy quarterbacks that could throw downfield. Same with Ricky Dobbs, even Will Worth to some extent. The la- the la- lately, Navy has not had the ability to go downfield, throw the ball. It's all based off play action, and play action doesn't work unless you're gaining yardage off the run. 
No, the play action second half particularly was just god awful. You know, as soon as Arline gets on his back heel, it, it's not happening. You know, and, and and he does. There's, it's just ugly. It's it's like watching. I would say slow motion death, but it happens quickly. Um, and I'm not talking about the passing game though. I'm just talking about the execution of again, principally the triple option with respect to gaining four yards, you know, it's the old four yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing. First possession, you saw it. And when it's working, when that meter, when that sort of cadence happens, you're like, that's the triple option. Cause we've been kind of like, you know, what's not happening. And, you know, somebody was saying, well, they're not even doing the triple option. And that's why, uh, you know, coach, uh, you know, or that's why Chet was pissed because they weren't doing the triple option. They're doing a double option, you know, uh, halfbacks lined up behind the uh, the tackles, and and so what we saw a couple of times yesterday seemed like classic, you know, Malcolm Keenan era triple option, and and that's just what's missing. Word, you're exactly right, and gents, I think the the analysis is spot on. Um, you know, we're 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 looking at this through very um, you know discerning eyes, and and certainly we're not criticizing. Um, you know, the athletes or the coaches, um, you know, we, we are, we're observant of a, a great change that has taken place since the days of Keenan Reynolds and Malcolm Perry. And in the last three years, it's been really hard uh, to watch um, this offense evolve or devolve, depending on your opinion of it. But I'll tell you what, I'll finish it out by saying that I, I, I remain as I am after every athletic event, so impressed by uh, how these young men uh, represented the Naval Academy, how they fought until the end, how they believed in it. And, and that, again, is the basis and, and the efficacy of the uh, physical mission. So um, thank you for your, uh, for your observations, gents. We are going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what else happened this weekend. This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast brought to you by Sheehy Lexus in Annapolis. We'll be right back. This Navy football post-game report is brought to you by our friends at Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, serving the Baltimore and Annapolis area for over two decades. Go see General Manager Paul LaRochelle and experience what makes them the elite of Lexus. Paul and his team have been taking care of the Naval Academy Alumni Association and the Naval Academy Athletic Association for years. Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, their support of the Naval Academy is unwavering. All right. Hey, everyone. We are back. Thanks for sticking with us here on the Sync Second Sports Podcast. We are going to go out here, but before we do, um, we're just going to talk about a couple of more things. I mean, again, expert analysis uh, there as to what happened and why it happened um, <laughs> there it, last night. It was it was really hard to watch. And as Chris Cervello was saying um, off camera, like, yeah, you, you, you could kind of see it was like a slow tsunami building and you could see that Houston was coming back and was going to make this run and make the second half uh, difficult. And you just had this feeling like we couldn't do anything about it. And there is no rest for the wicked here, ladies and gentlemen. Next week at 3.30 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, UCF comes to town. Uh, They are coming off of a bye week, so they had an extra week to prepare for Navy's triple option or whatever variant of the option we're running. And they're coming off of a really tough loss to an amazingly good Louisville team. Um, so UCF comes a calling next weekend at 3.30. It does not get any easier. And as always, 
stick with us and please follow Bill Wagner on Twitter as to what injuries took place and what we're doing in order to prepare for that game. By the way, next week is also number seven Cincinnati at number nine Notre Dame. I am beyond excited for that. And I really hope the American Athletic Conference puts on a good show against Notre Dame. Um, Other stuff going on. Number one, awesome, awesome tip of the cap to Nadia St. Marie and the women's golf uh, team. They came in first out of 11 teams at the Bucknell Invitational. Um, They're in scenic Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. If you haven't been to Lewisburg, definitely go to Lewisburg sometime in mid-February. It's just wonderful. It's a, it's a sight to see. Um, unfortunately, last night, um, after Chris Hoffman, our esteemed friend of the pod, helped me film a shot at the women's volleyball game versus Army, um, the ladies dropped uh, that match versus uh, Army three sets to one. Um, th- they knew this was going to be a tall task. Army has a great squad, and I can tell you from literally walking up and down that court, the army team is enormous. Like you want to talk about some very tall women who were, who were just murdering the ball during warmups. That's, that's them. They were very good. Um, men's soccer turned a lot of frowns upside down yesterday with a three nil win at Colgate up in Hamilton uh, hats off to them. The uh, men's water polo team had a really, really tough time. Um, they beat Wagner seven, six in a league game. Um, up in Princeton, turn around and really should have had a win. Coach Louis Nicolau uh, was going back and forth with this last night. No moral victories. They dropped a tough 11-8 match to Princeton um, in the nightcap yesterday. Um, and then this morning, they lost to number 16, Fordham, 17-10. to So really busy schedule, um, getting one win, but two losses for Louis Nicolau's boys. Uh, they will be coming home here for a couple of matches next week. Uh, also, hats off to the Sailors and also the Army-Navy men's golf competition here at the Scenic Naval Academy Golf Course. Uh, senior Nick Clock from Moraga, California, a friend of U.S. Naval Institute's uh, uh, superstar Ward Carroll, sunk a eight-footer on number one in a playoff to win that match. Hats off to Pat Owens gents and the big win versus army um there will be a very busy week ahead um we will bring you all of those updates to finish off our picks segment um i'm not sure who won i think it's actually coach timschel um but to recap some of the scores that we had there the fighting wildcats of villanova lost a tough one to penn state um but it was close they only lost 38 17 uh, Coach Timschel's Maryland Terrapins beat Penn State 37-16. And then I'm telling you, gents, I know that we know this already, but Army is going to be a very, very tough game for us. They beat Miami of Ohio 23-10. They are now 4-0. Christian Anderson had 15 carries for 236 yards and two touchdowns. Army is for real. Um, Air Force also won. Um, and then Notre Dame um, defeated the Wisconsin Badgers. Air Force, a pretty impressive 31 to 7 win over Florida Atlantic, by the way. The Zeke Daniels, 17 carries, 164 yards, and two touchdowns. So, for Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. Thank you so much for listening to this, the Sing Second Sports 
podcast post-game report brought to you by our friends at Sheehy Lexus in Annapolis, located right off of Route 50, you know, really close to, to my house, actually, off Baydale Boulevard. Um, and uh, thank you to all of our other sponsors, the Naptown Scoop, the Montana 3000 podcast, and AAA, also to Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis on Main Street, and our friends at the Graduate Hotel. Thank you to all of you, the fans. Thank you for supporting the Naval Academy and the Physical Mission. I am John Schofield. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments. Thank you.